0: Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So for this episode, did a little something different. I was a guest on the Subway Sports Talk podcast with Peter Kennedy. He and I are on the same basketball network known as the Basketball Podcast Network. And I was on his show to talk about the Warriors, uh, the Knicks, the off season, some of the younger players that were really, really excited to see from the past couple of years, see how they can grow and improve, and talked about Donovan Mitchell <laughs> and Chris Middleton, actually. So uh, it was a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy it. One of my favorite things, I'd never met or spoken to Peter before, but one of my favorite things is when two sports fans can just sit down and just just talk, you know what I mean? Like this episode went on For a minute, because we just kept talking and talking, talking about sports, because we both love our respective teams, the Warriors for me, the Knicks for him. And it's interesting, right? Because I don't follow the Knicks that much, but I definitely have opinions on where they've been, what they've done over the summer and where they're going. So definitely check that out. And one more thing, if you are not watching this on YouTube and you're just listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast player of your choice, please do check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. we have been having some interesting, fun, uh, smart basketball conversations and chats. Yeah, check it out. Again, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thanks for tuning in. And I hope you subscribe. Anyway, enjoy the show. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.
1: Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much for listening, as always, to SST on Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts Spotify, and now on YouTube. Joining me today, from the Oakland Warriors podcast, here to talk hoops, we got Knicks topics, Warriors topics, amongst many other great things. Patrick Epino, what's up, my man? How's it going?
0: Uh, it's going well, man. It's going well. Still basking in the glow of a, of a championship, so I'm, I'm good to go until September.
1: Yeah, you really are living, you know, the best life possible as a basketball fan right now because you just won a championship. You have all these young players kind of showing out more or less in summer league and you have like a core that's being built under the core that already exists. It's a very special place to be. And however, uh, we're talking before we started recording and you're saying how Warriors fans can still drive you up the wall a little bit, which as a Knicks fan with an actual incompetent franchise most of the time, it's hard to believe, but I guess it's true.
0: Yeah, I mean, all fans are critical to some extent, but it's crazy, right? As much as I love Gary Payton II, Otto Porter Jr., Nemnya Bielitsa, and what they gave us, they sacrificed their bodies, their souls, you know, blood, sweat, tears, and they brought a championship to the Bay Area. It's like, hey, teams change, they evolve, you know? And like, I understand that billionaires own these teams. Right. But like, I'm not going to argue class warfare, (laughs) you know, in, in when I'm talking sports, like that's, that's uh, my, my happy place. So to me, it's like, if you have, uh, you know, Bob Myers, the GM, the warriors, they're given parameters, right. And they're going to do what they need to do. And I'll, I'll criticize them once I see how the plan ends up but you can't just start having these knee jerk reactions. I mean, you can, it's a free country, you know, you might get an ulcer, but (laughs) you know, to me it's like, you know, chill. This team just won a title on this very, very unique uh, trajectory. And this is their fourth title in eight years. So they've earned that kind of uh, a little bit of a, uh, cut them some, some slack, give them, give them some cushion there, you know? A hundred
1: percent, you know, most franchises in the NBA would just laugh at the fact that Warriors fans could be upset in any manner, right? But with the way they've executed these catastrophic injuries and all this stuff post the Kevin Duran experience to get back to the finals and win it. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, but you're right. Fans will have their opinions and you do get attached to certain players. And it's almost weird that fans in general always get attached to like two or three non-stars like, Knicks mm-hmm. fans are, are so famous for this to, like, get attached, like me, for Frank Nilakina or something <laughs> like that. Like, you might not even know who this is because his stint was so short, but, like, Mindaugas Kuzmendis was a guy uh-huh. who, yeah, me and my buddy were like, yo, this guy can really shoot it. We got to keep him around. But he was yeah. terrible. Like, well, we loved him anyway. Gary Payton yeah, yeah. is a much different uh, example because he was an actual player. But it's hard to be upset when you also bring in a Dante DiVincenzo. They also mm-hmm. drafted so well over the past two years now that Kaminga, Moody, and if you want to count Wiseman, we'll talk about that in a minute. There's all these guys waiting in the wings to take these roles. It's it's actually it's kind of incredible. So we'll get more onto that in a second. But real quick, Patrick Epino, that's Patrick, E-P-I-N-O, on the social medias and Oakland Warriors or Oakland Warriors pod on social as well. We're going to talk Donovan Mitchell, trade possibilities, some Knicks talks, and then we're going to end up with uh, some, I-, I wouldn't say 2,500, more younger than that, maybe – guys in their first, second, third year, just young guys in the league, some of the young talent that we're excited to look for uh, in this upcoming fall and NBA season. So, Patrick, back to the Warriors here. Mm -hmm. When did it hit you that this was a championship team? Because there's probably ebbs and flows on the season, I guess. But is there a point that you remember saying to yourself, or maybe you're recording one of your episodes, where you said, oh, my God, this is real. We actually have what it takes to win the championship.
0: Yeah, I, I thought in the summertime last year when they filled out their roster with free agents, because in those two lost years, the year, years where Clay was out and then that first year where Steph had the broken hand, 2019-2020, um, you knew it wasn't about those years. And in the 2020-2021 20, 20, 20, season, like, there was a lot of talk about wasting Steph's prime, but it was clear they were not a title contender to me, it was like just looking me, me and my, my friend that I have on the show a lot, Aram in Toronto, like he talks, uh, we, we were talking about how it's, it's not about this season. You know, this, it's about the season, that the next season, which is just the season that passed. So I had a feeling that once Clay, Steph and Draymond were healthy, uh, depending on what you see. And then I was a huge supporter of wanting to, to draft, to use those draft picks on, on somebody Kaminga. He was, I can't believe he fell to us at Mm -hmm. seven, but um, to be honest, and I'm not saying I was predicting it, but I thought the Warriors, I think I had them um, top two or top three in the West uh, before the season started. And then also it's one of those things where they started off 18 and two, right. And they're like, okay, you know, they had a pretty soft schedule, but then, you know, the dog days after the, uh, uh, after new year's and, you know, there were some injuries, whatever. But for me, it was always, always about three primary things. First thing was like being healthy for the playoffs. That was the most important thing. Cause we all know that health and injuries is what killed teams. Um, that's happened like every year for like the past five years, it feels like. And, then it was, you know, seeding, right? But with this veteran core, I always felt like they give them a chance and they, they can, uh, uh, or give them a shot. They have a chance. And then, uh, it was getting the new guys and the younger guys acclimated for the, the bright lights, right? Like this is, this is funny because this is how I look at the Warriors seasons, not just like as the season being important, but like how they kind of gear up for the playoffs and, Getting like the Jordan Pools ready for uh, the bright lights. Getting Otto Porter Jr. ready for the finals. Nembyaliza for his role. Getting Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody to be able to just get on the court with confidence. Like Steve Kerr's really good about that. So to me, like I thought they had a good mix and uh, a shot right from the uh, right from the outset.
1: And one guy, I don't know if you're. Are you avoiding saying uh, Andrew Wiggins on purpose here? He he hurt you. Did he, did you, were you out on Wiggins and now you don't want to say his name? What happened?
0: <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I just, uh, I forgot Wiggins, man. No, um, I was a, I was a supporter of Wiggins early on. But the thing about Wiggins was that, you know, when he first came to the Warriors, I was like, where is this fabled athleticism I've heard about so much? Because he would go up soft, layups. He, he doesn't have the best touch off the glass. If right, you ever know. He's he,
1: for jumpers too.
0: Yeah. He, yeah. He clanks a lot of stuff. So I was like, where is that? And then I think at some point early in the season, he was getting questioned and then there was this Minnesota Timberwolves game where he just like dunked on Carl Anthony Towns like two times massively, like two of the biggest dunks I've ever seen from a Warriors player. And it was like, okay, he could do that, you know? And by the time the all-star game came around, man, I was like, oh man, he might actually make this team, you know? And then, when I looked at who was up for like, like the, the front court spot for the um, the West, it's like, well, if it's not Andrew Wiggins, it's gonna It's going to be the next people in line are Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert. And right. no one's voting for them. And Draymond was hurt. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I I've said like this, this might be the only time Wiggins makes it because, you know, there's a bunch of forwards in the West, like who are, who are hurt. Like Zion right. Williamson. Kawhi. Uh, yeah. Paul George, yeah, at the time, yeah. And I,
1: I'm pretty sure he got some help from one of, one of the singers from BTS. Is that correct? <laughs> is, is, is that a real thing? I remember seeing that on Twitter. I'm like, wait, did that actually happen? That's something that happens in the MLB All-Star team. Remember they had a ban, like the Kansas City fans, from voting because they were just voting in the entire Kansas City Starting lineup, the Royals. Like, I'm, re- I'm pretty sure one of the BTS guys was like, "Yeah, Andrew Wiggins is the glue." Like, vote for him for the. I,
0: I, I think I did see that tweet. Um, uh, I'm not a. I, I've heard of BTS, but I, I also saw that the guy had like four million followers. So I was like, "Yeah, that definitely helps." Count it. That doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. Now, I want to
1: give you a little background, for for me, from my perspective on like my come up with the Warriors because it's kind of interesting. Like as an East Coast guy and a Knicks fan, and a, and a hoop, like a hoop head, right? Like I'm an NBA junkie. So I'll watch as many Knicks games as possible, obviously, right? They're, they're my team. I'm on the East Coast. So that 7 o'clock hour for me, uh, Eastern time, is taken up by the Knicks more often than not, which mm-hmm. opens up the West Coast slot. So I think outside of the Knicks, I've watched more Warriors and Nuggets games than any other team I've watched like in my life. And I, like I might watch as many Warriors and Nuggets games combined as I do Knicks games in a year because I watch them so frequently in that Western uh, time slot, right? Mm-hmm. So that whole come up was when I was in college when they were going off and they had their first championship run. And I'll never forget those moments. And now you're, what was it? Six years ago after the first championship? Is that right? 26?
0: Seven, no. seven, 2015. 2015. You're yeah.
1: seven years into this. I mean, what what to you is the most shocking about this core, about I don't know, like is it from the coaching st- uh, perspective, from the front office, from the from the core stars? What's the most shocking to you now, seven years later and four championships?
0: That the Warriors are seen as like the this prized franchise because I grew up with them being so god awful and and embarrassing, <laughs> you know, and and um, you know, like I was around for for some of those really really bad years and so it's 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 funny to see some of these like young whippersnappers who are uh uh like you know growing up saw, no success <laughs> yeah exactly i saw somebody tweet out like why are uh warriors fans arrogant it's because we grew up with three uh world series titles and three or at the time three world championships uh and i was like Well, get the hell out of here, man, (laughs) because I I didn't grow up with that stuff. But yeah, uh, but what's really, really like surprising is that, like, how homegrown this team is to me, and that this core um, has accomplished so much. You know, honestly, just the fact that, like, I I don't know about you, but like, I'm a huge homegrown fan talent. Like, you want them to be your guys, you draft them, you organically see them. fulfill their potential and, and whatnot. And, you know, I'll be honest, like when the Warriors got KD, I was, I was happy, but I also knew right then and there that we were going to miss some of Steph's peak years. Obviously he had great stats. They won a couple titles, et cetera, but I wanted to see what a Steph Curry coming off the first ever unanimous finals uh, with 402 three pointers could do um, after losing the finals i mean right I would prefer it after winning the finals but uh you know what i mean like so uh i i kind of wish i i saw that but with these um with this core guys and then some of these newer guys that they've drafted like that homegrown talent it's like whenever anyone talks about trading them when they talked about trading them for hypothetically i don't know if you caught wind of this stuff last off season the warriors were like where people were saying they should take the 7 and 14 pick and package wiggins and wiseman and jordan Poole and everybody for bradley beal damian lillard ben simmons pascal siakam all the stuff i was like no 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 don't do that no and I'm, I'm just glad that they did so um the homegrown talent uh the drafting the development is what's impressive to me because i'll be honest i didn't think steph would be this guy i mean not even half of this guy, to be honest. Right. No, I to...
1: thought, but yeah,
0: yeah. Even I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think Clay would be, would be that guy. I thought, I mean, I thought Steph would be like hersey Hawkins. I thought Clay would be like Trajan Langdon. You know, <laughs> like Draymond Green. I mean, you know, it it all just fit together. And you know, honestly, credit to uh, Steve Kerr and his coaching staff or whomever for putting those pieces together and seeing how they actually meld properly.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as a Knicks fan, I totally hear everything you're talking about, like homegrown talent, making the most out of your draft picks. (laughs) Man, it it hurt my feelings so bad hearing you say that, as I just went through my head of all the first-round picks that the Knicks never re-signed because they never quite worked out. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It, It is the best thing, though. Like In any sport, the guy who you love the most is the guy who came up with your organization, football baseball, basketball, doesn't matter. That's what makes it the most special. And it's not that the Kevin Durant championships weren't special. They were, but that's why this one and all the players talked about it was probably one of the sweetest championships they got of the four, if not the most because of what they went through to get back to that point. And and now we could talk more about those individuals uh, who are now waiting in the wings to, to fill those roles. To me, what's always made the Warriors so special is the way they play basketball. Obviously, the development, all that stuff, I'm talking about more specifically of just performance-wise. The way they play, the way Steph gives it up and moves without the ball, runs off 99 screens and et cetera, Mm -hmm. that's what's so special. That's why I get so bothered when people are out here saying Steph Curry ruined the NBA. To anybody who believes that, listen, there may be some negative impacts to how Steph Curry played, but that's because the people weren't watching close enough. right? Mm -hmm. If everybody actually played like Steph Curry, I say this about Trey Young all the time. If he actually played like Steph, he'd dribble way less. He'd run around way more. He'd get better shots. He'd probably be more efficient, and he'd play a completely different style of team basketball. So it's mm-hmm. all these people who say, Steph ruined this, he ruined that, they're just not watching close enough, and they're not seeing the actual beauty of the Warriors with the ball movement, with the back cuts, with everybody having a serious role to make a difference. Like, Kevon Looney on the Charlotte Hornets is, an, uh, is, is like the most average who cares player of all time on the mm-hmm. Warriors. He's been incredibly impactful. It's, it's off the charts. So now we have Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody and Wiseman. You just talked about this on your latest podcast at like length with, with your guy. Uh, what's his name? I'm sorry. From Toronto. Yeah. Aram. Aram. It was, I listened to most of the episode. It was great stuff. Um, so go check that out for the deep, deep dive, but to give some more of uh, the quicker answers here out of those three guys, who now excites you the most to fit that warrior's mold to start lifting up the rest of the team? Wiseman, Kaminga, or Uh, uh
0: Kaminga, uh, because he's a wing, because he has so much athleticism. He's only 19. He reclassified, right? So like technically he should be a freshman in college if he went that route. Last season, his rookie season, he would have been a senior in high school. So he's – he's super talented everybody talked about how raw he was last season and yeah he's he's raw but not like you know when people say raw i think of guys in the warriors past like adonald foil who didn't play basketball till he was like 20 years old i think or something you know so he he knows how to play basketball and i mean he just plays like the premium position of wing and you know the warriors throughout my lifetime haven't had the athleticism advantage over anyone even the current court it's not the athleticism that that defines them so having somebody like that that's what excites me a couple of years or actually last season last summer uh i was on my podcast talking to my friend and he posed the question who's going to be the best player warrior's player in 2 years uh and then 4 years right mm-hmm. uh this was last season i said in 2 years which would be uh, next season I said Steph and I said in four years which will be three years from now I said Kaminga mm. you know I think uh he'll he'll get there but it's also crazy to me because what as of today uh Jonathan Kaminga like in three years he'll still be younger than Jordan how old Jordan Poole is right now wow you know, like that's, that's how crazy. young he is yeah that's crazy and um I I was a big Wiseman fan. Um, I was leaning Anthony Edwards in that draft, but obviously he got picked first. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Wiseman has gotten kind of a – I mean, he's just been hurt, right? And then right. What, what what can you do? It's not it's his fault.
1: Right? Like it's incomplete. We don't even know what it looks like yet because the limited time we saw was kind of ugly as expected for a big joining a core of guys who played together for seven years
0: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and you know he has a very it's funny right like during the uh, uh his his nba career the comps for him like when he started and he was dribbling up the court and going behind the back and dunking on people it was like oh he's comparing him to david robinson on twitter you know highlights with him and and Giannis, and then as it as it went on it was like oh maybe he could be like deandre eight who's good he just signed a a four-year max deal but then and then it was like in the finals it was like oh he could be like a robert williams all those guys are great i would love to have all those guys on my team but it's like he hasn't played (laughs) so it's like you know next time it's gonna be like oh maybe he could be like i don't know uve blob
1: (laughs) yeah yeah oh insert backup center here right like is anybody Like thirty-five-year-old DeAndre Jordan, maybe he can be that, right? Like it's just gonna get worse and worse. (laughs) Well, and that's that's obviously pretty pretty rough. But the the Wiseman thing is tough because the bigs, being the focal point of a team, is so far few between at this point. You got Jokic and you got Embiid. Like that's basically it, right? Yeah. Does that mean that you shouldn't pick somebody at? One, two, three, four, five. Even if they project oh, like a Wiseman style, like Wiseman doesn't project like say Chet Holmgren, who is super cerebral and like passing the ball like crazy, shooting from deep a lot. Like he's not that style of player, but he has different tools that are just as as good, if you will. With the Warriors, they kind of had the luxury of like, all right, we don't need Wiseman to be like a twenty four and twelve guy. That's not what we need. So I think that's one positive for him moving forward that he's not going to be looked at as like yo, if you're not bringing it, we're losing. That's like the only positive, but I got to be honest. I'm a little bit nervous about his prospects, just fitting into that that motion system with so much movement. Like, where's he going to fit? Is he going to just have to watch Kevin Looney film and figure out how to play that role? Or is he going to be more than that? It's tough to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, I obviously, I hope he's more than that. I think here's the thing, right? Like, he played three games in college. He played 39 games. His – rookie season he's been hurt for a year and a half he played three g league games they shut him down in march he played i was like the summer league is a success if he comes out of uh he plays four games and he's not hurt four games in a week and that's good his role is going to be so limited because what the warriors what the have now it's a different, different team from what from his rookie year right so they have all these new pieces and they've they have like all their guys back so uh rim running, being a vertical threat, being just a big body, rebounding, which he needs to work on, and then slowly, slowly build for that. I was talking to a buddy of mine and he was like, Hey, I think uh Wiseman's gonna have to be in the G League for like the whole year. And I was like, I I think they're gonna do everything they can to keep him with a big league club and develop him that way. And you know, he may get stints if he's he's rough around the edges, but he has um a pretty they're going to set low expectations for him, right? As long as he's healthy, they're going to be like, he's hit, he's the backup center. He's going to come in and they're going to put him in situations to succeed. He's he's rusty in summer league, but also, you know, in summer league there's a bunch of dudes who are trying to get theirs, right? So 100%. He, he's not a Chet Holmgren, you said it. So he's not going to come down the court with a ball in his hands, you know? So yeah. uh, uh, I think, again, for him and for – me as a Warriors fan. And I think for Warriors fans in general, they should look at the fact that like, he's just like I said, this past season, he's going to be one of those guys that you coach him up. You get his confidence up, you get his development and skills up by the time April rolls, rolls around, you know, so that you can insert him for 15 minutes in a game for 20 minutes in a game. If Kevon Looney gets hurt, that you could start him in the playoffs against somebody against a big body, you know? So that's, that's the uh, uh for him he he needs to take steps, but for the Warriors, he fills a specific need, and I think that's what people need to just like yes, uh uh Anthony Edwards LaMelo ball, it doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter at any point. That's neither here nor there. He, he can help you win a title after he already just won a title. So right. like you said, he doesn't need to go twenty four and twelve. I will take uh twelve and seven.
1: Right. Twelve and yeah, exactly. And and you got to take out the idea that he's number two pick. Like that's just got to be out of your head, and it's all good. Uh, Real quick on the Moody front, I would I would pick Moody for this year, right? If I had to pick out of those three guys, who would be the most impactful this year coming up? I'd pick Moody, just like the skill set he showed some more dribble or some more pizzazz off the bounce, if you will, in summer league. I think he's a little bit more ready to fill like that off the bench three and D role, where Kaminga is a little bit more of a wild card. I still totally get what you're saying. Over time, how Kaminga could grow into like this ultra player. Uh So I guess we shall see. I don't want to spend too much more time. On the Warriors We've got more stuff to talk about. So Patrick, let me just hit you real quick with this because I think I know the answer, and I think most people would probably know the answer, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. The Kevin Durant rumor has completely slowed down. Of him going back to the Warriors, I say thank God. What do you say when, when that rumor first came up? Were you like pissed? Were you ha- Were you hyped? Where Where'd you land there?
0: Oh, I was. I I don't know if it was pissed. I just kind of rolled my eyes. It's like, I, I was like, you know, it's it's a breakup. You don't want to go back to a breakup after a couple of years, right? Yeah. And we just want a title, man. Like, you know, like I I like I said, I enjoy seeing homegrown talent, see that stuff grow organically. And there are some people that just like who became Warriors fans that just saw the dominant dynasty and it's like hey, I'm okay with really just fighting for a title. I don't necessarily need to just, you know, kick back and be like, oh, we're obviously going to win. <laughs> that's right. that's not we're, fun.
1: we're minus 1,400 to make the finals this year. Like, <laughs> you know, we don't need that again, right? Like, even though you go back to those years, right? Like the Rockets gave you a run for the money. Like, you know, there yeah. were opportunities for them to get knocked down. And, and yeah, I, I always say that. As much as people say they hate dynasties because they know it's going to be Warriors, Cavs, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, well, guess what? Those were the highest-rated finals in the past 10 years because people love dynasties. Like, no matter how many people say, oh, more of like a Cinderella story guy, it's just (laughs) not true. Like, it's just not true when you talk about the masses. They want to see stars. They want to see the best teams in the best moments. So that's my take on that. All right, let's talk more about the Donovan Mitchell side of things here. Move off the Warriors for now. Uh, unless we think the Warriors are a trade target, now they're definitely not. No, no, <laughs> but we'll please talk me. about the Mitchell opportunities, uh, and then we'll you know take that to the Knicks and what you think about the Knicks. Because that's something that I think is always super important that I try to bring that flavor to this podcast. I'm not trying to be like a Knicks crony, right? Like I'm not coming out here to just tell every Knicks fan what they want to hear. I think it's so helpful to hear somebody out of market tell us what you feel about some of the players on the Knicks or what they're doing, right? Because we're blinded. W- Knicks fans either want to see everything work out and they believe it's going to all work out, or they're so cynical that everything sucks and that they all suck, right? So when I hear Patrick Apino's uh, thoughts on R.J. Barrett, I find that valuable because it's like an actual unbiased, you don't care, you, you're not hating the Knicks, you don't love the Knicks, you're just telling, you, telling us what you think about R.J. Barrett. So all that said, long intro into this question here. When you think about Donovan Mitchell, first and foremost, because I don't want to make this just about the Knicks yet. Mm -hmm. When you think about him as a player, what tier do you consider him at? And you can make up whatever tier you want to call it, but do you put him in that super upper echelon where you need to give all the picks and it's worth it because he'll raise your your floor and ceiling to a certain point? Or do you think he's in a lower tier where he's just an all-star? Like, where, when you hear Donovan Mitchell, where does your brain go as far as impact on a team and culture, et cetera?
0: Yeah, I think he's going to make a few all star teams, and I would not give up everything for him. I know certain teams kind of have to, in a way, because it's like you got to make that move, and he's the guy that's available right now. But I just don't see him as that guy, right? Like, there's always this, a bunch of people who are like, oh, this is a max player, you got to max him out. And, but we all know there's just like such a select group of guys that really, really can, can take you deep into the playoffs, just put the team on their backs. And I just don't think he's, he's it, right. He's, he's a defensive liability and he hasn't proven to be able to take over the moments for the jazz. And, you know, I know that he's, 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 good. He's very good, you know, and he'll make some all-star teams, but I just don't see him as somebody, I see him as, um, you know, at the, the second best player on a, a, on a deep playoff team. And that's assuming that the first player is like, you know, uh a, a Luka Doncic level type guy or something, you know? So, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean the, the height and the defense kind of, kind of limit, a lot of what I think he can do, especially in the playoffs. He just can get targeted. Right. Now here's a question. This came to mind as you were going through that there.
1: You're vastly different players and sizes, etc., but role wise, not that different. Who would you take Donovan Mitchell or Chris Middleton? Ooh. I think off the rip, oh. if you think about that for a second, I think off the rip, people would want to say Donovan Mitchell. Cause he's like cooler. He's a little bit higher profile. A little bit more flashy of a scorer, but but what do we think? I feel like I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to uh, oh. answer. I want you to answer uh, yourself. I'll go after you. I mean,
0: that's a good question, but like the 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 context is like, what role do they have to play on on their on their team? Are we saying like swapping them and putting Chris Middleton as the one, number one guy on on Utah? I uh, I guess both. I guess both. Yeah. I don't know. Like say.
1: Mitchell was number two in, in Milwaukee and Middleton has been number one in Utah, like uh, play through both yeah. scenarios. I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of tough. Oh
0: man. Um, it's tough. Cause also like, we know that Mitchell as the, as the one in Utah, didn't work out very well, right. but um, I don't know. It's, it's also cause I haven't seen, we've never seen Chris Middleton as the guy. Right. So I don't know, like as, as a one, uh, could he get his uh, shots off? Right. Like, uh, I might actually lean Donovan Mitchell in that one because if you put him, again, he's he's much shorter. and Middleton's what six eight. That yeah, is huge. If if you like, he can do he can guard a lot more, right? He's not the fastest guy, but he's he's just very very solid. But then if you put this Donovan Mitchell guy like next to Giannis, I mean, I'll I'll take that. I would love to see that just for for fun, you know? Right. I th- I think what we're coming to is.
1: It's definitely not as far off as anyone would believe, right? Any extreme answer here, oh, Middleton blows him away or Mitchell blows him away, is probably incorrect. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it comes down to a style uh, choice, I guess. I, I lean Middleton. You mentioned Mitchell's defense being a, a problem. Like that's – Middleton's great on defense. He does all he needs to do. Yeah. He's also – he is the clutch time guy a lot of the times for for Milwaukee. We just saw them not have him this playoffs and it completely changed their, their prospects. Like you could be looking at a finals loss, God forbid, you know, Middleton was healthy. Like, cause Giannis and Middleton are a, a serious contender right there. So I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question. Really just a thought exercise. I'd lean Middleton, even though I love Mitchell and it's been so tough being like a Mitchell fan and having to criticize him as a, as a Knicks guy, a podcaster, et cetera. Like I, I love Mitchell. I love everything he's done since he's gotten into the league. I remember watching his summer league game and being like, holy hell, who is this guy, right? But now, when you reach that point of all-star consistently, you get criticized on a different level. When Mm -hmm. Shaq and Chuck gave crap to Donovan Mitchell because they said, we don't know if you could be, you know, player 1A. He got mad, rightfully so. A lot of players got mad. Jazz Twitter, we're talking about Twitter that gets crazy. Jazz (laughs) Twitter is off the chain sometimes. They got all pissed off, but they're not wrong. And I think now that this trade is a possibility, we're all seeing that he's not a 1A and he probably needs to be a 1B or a 2 at best. Uh, So I don't know what happens there. So now let's segue. Are there any other teams that you would like to see him go to? Like, is there a team outside of the Knicks that you think makes sense for Mitchell, makes sense for the team that you've heard in rumors or on Twitter or whatever that you just find interesting enough?
0: Uh, because of all the Dwayne Wade comps, I wouldn't mind seeing him in Miami. Mm. You know, that's, I mean, that's the best one. That's the best one for sure. Uh, uh, I'm like, I'm not a Miami Heat fan at all, but I would just be curious also because I'd be curious to see what they would give up. You know, to like what players or picks or whatever. Because you know, obviously Miami has a lot of a lot of a lot of dudes are pretty good. So you know, I, I'd like to see if he could do a little. You know, Dwayne Wade impression down there. But in general, I mean, I don't know. I kind of want to see him. <laughs> if if he ends up on the Knicks, I really want to see this backcourt, man. You don't understand. <laughs> like, it's going to be really – I'm going to tune in on, on League Pass just to see how that works.
1: I can't tell if that's out of, like, nervous excitement that it's going to be kind of ugly or that you think it could be good. Wait, hold, hold that thought though. Hold that thought for one second. To to wrap up the heat thing, there, a Bam Jimmy Donovan Mitchell trio or big three, if you will, can can win the Eastern Conference. I think that that's fair to say. All right, a Jalen yeah. Brunson
0: Donovan. Hey, sorry, Mitchell. real quick, because then you have like yeah. you're like we said. Then you have Donovan Mitchell is basically your third best player. I mean, right? That's,
1: that's, Just, that's go Just go score. Just go score and keep your body fat down. You're good.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's like, what I tell like, myself every morning.
1: <laughs> score and keep the body fat down. That's good. <laughs> uh, but like Tyler Hero would be gone. Duncan Robinson would be gone. All the picks would probably be gone. But I don't know if the Jazz want the Heat picks. They're consistently good. Like why would you want those picks? They've been bad like two years out of the last 20. So it's kind of a tough pick to to have there. Um, I don't, that core is – that core is crazy. I'm league passing into the Miami Heat if it's Jimmy, Donovan, Mitchell, and Bam too. Yeah. On the flip side though, Patrick, uh, Brunson, Mitchell, Barrett, Randall, albeit a huge upgrade for the Knicks. I don't know. You were laughing before. So what do you think about that backcourt and that that core?
0: Um, the backcourt, I would want to see it because I just would want to see how they – play defense, how the whole scheme would work. And, yeah, I mean, I said it for kind of just entertainment value. I want to see how it is. Um, I think on offense, they'd be super entertaining. Two guys who can uh, handle the ball who are really, even though they're short, they're both really strong and and thick, and that'd be interesting. But, you know, I go back to when the Warriors drafted Steph and they had Monte Ellis, and Monte Ellis, they're both 6'3", skinny dudes. And Monte Ellis was famous for saying, like, can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, and um, we know how that story went. Yep. So to have two guys who are like six foot, six one, um, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, it, it'll get me to tune in. Um, but you know, I think the core. I mean, man, I don't know what the ceiling is for for Barrett. I, I was never high on him in, in college, and I think like if he has a good season. You should trade (laughs) like like his his trade value as as high as possible. Like like move him and uh, Randall. I mean, I I just don't know if he'll get back to what he was. You know, two seasons ago. Randall, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Wait. So you just kind of opened up a can of
1: worms, and this is this is exactly what I'm talking about. When I love to talk to people out of market because you're looking at it as a just rational NBA fan thinking about any franchise like it, across the country, right? Like if I'm going to talk about what I think the the Cavs should do, you know, with Colin Sexton, I'm being completely unbiased. Like I've watched Colin Sexton. I've watched the Cavs. I don't really care what happens to the Cavs, right? So I'm going to just tell you what I think. That's exactly what you're doing here. And the idea of like, n- there must be some Knicks fans listening to this right now being like, oh my God, what did he just say? Like, <laughs> oh my God. RJ Barrett goes off. Then we got to get rid of him. Like that's crazy, but it's probably really smart. Right. So I love RJ. We're talking about homegrown talent. He's the type of dude who you want as homegrown talent because he's been getting better every year. He's adding stuff to his game every year. He, he cares. Right. It's one of those underrated things about being an athlete, uh, a professional athlete. How much do you care night in, night out? RJ Barrett cares a lot. So it's hard to now think of him as just like a trade chip because he had a good year but it might be genius, right? Like that might be genius. Like, is he good enough to be what on, on a championship caliber team?
0: What, what is
1: two, three, like what, where does he land in that, in that ranking?
0: I was going to say three, but my question to you is at this point in his career, not when he was in college, not when he was getting drafted, but like, who's his comp right now to you? (sighs) Oh, so
1: it's a tough question because there's not a ton of like successful players who have his exact play style right now. Mm. Like he's kind of inefficient inside though. He has the tools to get better there. He might get better there. Um, Oh man, it's a tough, like maybe like a Jalen Brown. Mm. Obviously, you know, when you're thinking of a lefty, it's really hard to, to not think of another lefty, but like Jalen Brown is a, no, that doesn't even really work for me that much because he's much more efficient when he actually decides to cre- uh, to slash. Like, the jump shot is probably relatively equal. is probably a little bit more locked in on defense, but I don't know. He, and RJ's a better passer. Jalen Brown's a better scorer. I don't know. It's not a great comp. Off the top of my head, I don't have anything. you have anything off your off the top?
0: Honestly, like, I, I don't. I don't think he, he... He doesn't comp well to people
1: because his style is a little bit funky, if
0: you will. Yeah, and... You know, when you say Jalen Brown, like I just see Jalen as more athletic, you know? Way, way more and, bouncy, for sure. And, and, you know, if you ask me, you know, where RJ Barrett would rank on a on a playoff team or a deep playoff team title contender team, I, I guess, I guess the third best player on a team like that, maybe? Like, um, and, you know, hey, if you get donovan mitchell then you have your third and your second you just need your first best player right? <laughs> <laughs> and you're in business but you know i yeah. I, I get it like you guys drafted rj barrett and you know maybe uh for a while everybody was talking like oh maybe you know it could lure zion williamson his old teammate back you know, to, to new york you know not the craziest thing ever but uh, are you familiar with the knicks history with first round draft
1: picks though uh yeah yeah so they haven't re-signed one since like 98 or something like that? I did not know that. I did not know that. That is crazy. <laughs> uh, is, it, is it Chris Child? I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking here. I think it was Childs. Um,
0: not, not even one? Not even like a rookie extension?
1: Oh, no. Like remember Landry Fields? Yeah. He had a nice little two-year run his rookie year and his sophomore year. He was like a decent starter. He was a nice bench piece, whatever. Like traded to Toronto out of the league. Like, yeah. just, just like that. Like, that's the classic Knicks pick. Like, we overvalued him. Like, oh, this guy's got something. And he had nothing. Like, he was literally out of the league two years after he was gone. Like, Frank Nilakina out, traded. Uh, Kevin Knox traded. Um, I I could go through the whole entire list, but.
0: What year did, what year into the league did Prazingis get traded?
1: Three. Because it was year one, he played through. Year two, he was playing very well. Made the all-star team towards ACL. Following mm. year traded, yeah. So yeah, year three, and we we also haven't had a ton of picks because of the Nuggets trade, and right. like we, just, we didn't even make some of the picks. uh We just missed, you know, we're one pick behind Steph Curry, and we picked Jordan Hill. Like, <laughs> yeah, he not make it five years on the Knicks. Like, it just that's it. That's that's the the Knicks history right there. So Knicks fans are a little extra sensitive with RJ Barrett. Like, yo, know, this is a guy who's the legitimate NBA player. Like, nobody, if you love him or hate him everybody is agreeing this dude is a starter in the NBA, right? Like more or less. Maybe some people could push back and be like, you know, maybe he's not even a starter. He's just a really good bench guy, whatever. He's an NBA player. He's gone up in points. He's gone up in efficiency. His shot's extending, his whatever. Everything he's doing is all we can ask for. But all that being said, he's still not like that guy. And he's not particularly close to being that guy.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, you know, just – Another thought exercise. How many All-Star games can you see him making in his career? Two
1: at most. At most, like two or three. I think, like, the the way it works with All-Stars is, like, if you make one, you're more likely to make another, kind of. So if he's in New York and they're winning and he's averaging 22 points, like, he'll make, like, two or three. And that's Mm -hmm. not unrealistic. The most unrealistic part is them winning consistently, to be quite honest. But, um I could see him making I would I would put his over under at one and a half to be to be frank and I would probably take the under. <laughs> so here, here you mean? go, by the way. Right, if you're seeing this list here, if you're watching yeah. on YouTube, here's the list. Uh, it's missing the most recent first round picks, but we don't need that. Right. It was um wow. those are all the picks back to nineteen ninety-six since they re-signed somebody.
0: I remember all these uh these drafts. Man. And like some of
1: these guys are real players, right? Like Channing Fry, great career. Nate Robinson, not a bad career.
0: Wilson Chandler,
1: Gallinari, all like decent careers. Tim Hardaway, he got traded, mm-hmm. then came back, and then got, got let go or, or traded again. So, like, I don't even know. We, we've we had no luck with first-round picks. That's why it's so hard to not go for, uh, for RJ, to keep him around.
0: I remember how excited the Knicks fans were for the John Wallace pick, but he was like late first round, right? He was like end of first round or something. Oh, honestly, I was only
1: two years old at the time, so I don't, I'm not even going to pretend like I know.
0: <laughs> um, uh, I guess my other question is: Wait, so he was 2019 draft, um, Barrett, right? Yeah. Where do you rank him in that draft?
1: Um, let me let me pull it up so I could be so I could be fair
0: here, but um, because that was a draft with Zion, um John Morant, Morant uh when uh garland yeah jordan pool tyler harrow
1: by the way i I didn't mention this in the warriors part of the podcast i am a huge jordan pool fan like i've like this entire year he was one of my favorite players to watch he was so freaking fun and everyone talked about him with the shooting obviously but what impressed me the most was like the passing the transition all uh, getting to the rim he was doing incredible stuff uh so right now i'm gonna rank this by win shares Okay. Uh, just as a, a rule of thumb here, R.J. Barrett is ranked 16th in win shares. Now, however, some of the people ahead of him who you can argue about, you know, Matisse Thybul definitely um, a better win share guy because he doesn't shoot as much, so his numbers don't go down. He's just a defense guy. So I think R.J.'s better than him. Cody Martin is ahead of R.J. Barrett in win shares. Darius Garland, we mentioned already, I think he's better hero, is definitely a better scorer. You know, we can argue who's better by themselves, right? Like the heroes in a better system. Grant Williams, better role player, but not a better like focal mm-hmm. point. PJ Washington, probably same. Keldon Johnson, Zion Williamson, Cam Johnson. Like some some of this is tough. Some of the players here are, are better, but some are just role players who happen to get yeah better win share numbers, if, if you will. Like yeah. Brandon Clark is the number one win share player from that draft right now. And <laughs> no one's saying he's better than John Morant. You know, he's not better than Zion. Zion hasn't played enough, but yeah.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So
1: okay. he's, prob- he's probably somewhere like eighth.
0: Yeah, I was going to so- say top 10 for sure.
1: Yeah, so he's probably eighth. The the top 10 was, to go quickly, Zion, Ja, RJ, Hunter, Garland, Culver, who's been a wreck, Kobe White, Jackson Hayes, Hachimura, Cam Reddish—that's a top ten.
0: Mm.
1: Out of the top ten, like, listen, you go back to it and you say, RJ's a good pick." That's what I, I think yeah. personally. Do you agree with that? Like, none yeah, of those. Yeah. Other than Garland, I would say. Other than Garland, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick anyone over him out of that top ten.
0: Yeah, uh, out of the top ten you mentioned. Yeah, it I mean, was, it was- and
1: after as well.
0: Yeah, it wasn't the it wasn't the deepest draft, you know what I mean? So like, right. uh, it was a it was a, a smart pick, and you know, I I could be I could be wrong. He could be like one of those guys that um, develops. I mean, he could be. I know he's a different player from Chris Middleton, but like again, the Knicks need that that number one guy, <laughs> so that RJ Barrett and all the things that he does well, uh, he doesn't have to be so primary, and he can just be a little bit more supporting. Right. I mean, and just look
1: at the the raw numbers. So he went from 14 points on uh, 40% and 32% to 70 points, uh, 70, 70 geez, 17 points on 44 and 40, like huge okay. upgrade. And then last year, 20 points on more shots, 40%, 34%. So like probably going to end up in that 35, 36 range, which is solid on three point percentage. And like, he was a 20 point per game guy last year, you know, like it's yep, not right. unfeasible. To see him as a 20 point per game guy now moving forward, you know, how many shots he'll get with Brunson and God forbid Mitchell there,
0: that'll fluctuate, but
1: you know he, he's a dude who you expect 18 to 22 from
0: yeah, yeah, again, I, I think that's perfectly fine for a, a third best player on like a, a title contending team to be an
1: honest. actual good team, yeah
0: yeah, yeah yeah um you said God forbid uh, Donovan Mitchell, does that mean you don't want Donovan Mitchell? <laughs>
1: Uh, so I'm torn. I'm torn. I, I want Donovan Mitchell. I said in my podcast last week that if RJ's in the trade, I don't want to do it. Now, I want to ask you about that in a second. My take was, if you're getting Mitchell in town, you need wings, right? You just mentioned it. Two six, one guards, no real wings at that point. Like Grimes is probably going to go uh, in the trade as well. And Grimes is a guy Knicks fans really like right now. Like, if you get rid of Barrett in that trade, you're taking two steps forward, one step back, right? You're going to be a little bit better, but you don't have a wing defender. You don't have a secondary creator. You don't have a guy like RJ who is the culture guy you kind of want. So in order to become an actual playoff contender, I ain't not even talk a championship contender Yeah, We're not that close, but to be like a, a team to expect a five seed. I think if RJ goes in that trade, the chances of the Knicks being a playoff team and not a play in team go down. And then what's the point of having Mitchell and Brunson and Randall, I guess, to be in the play-in tournament, right? Like that doesn't seem like a smart thing. It also helps that the Jazz probably don't want RJ Barrett because he has to get paid. They're going to probably have to trade him again. Like, do they really even want that? Like probably not. So that's a benefit to us. But now Angel's is asking for who knows how many picks. I don't know. I want Mitchell, but I don't want the cost to be RJ and all the picks and stuff, right? So that's kind of my take. It get better, and then get better again. Like be relevant, be consistently good, and then grow again off that. I don't know how the money would work, but you know, you cross that bridge when you get there, I guess.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I would not trade for Mitchell if it meant giving up Barrett. Uh, not saying that Barrett is better than Mitchell, but right. it's that about is. it's about fits. It's about context. It's about like you said, like all of a sudden you have a, a the shortest backcourt in the history of the world <laughs> uh, and the highest paid. But, um, uh, and then you have no wings. So you're, yeah, you're you're kind of just running in place at that point. And uh, you're, you're getting somebody who's, you know, even though Mitchell's better, like he's closer to his ceiling, it sounds like than, uh, than, than Barrett. Barrett has a lot more growth and I agree with you. I can't see the Jazz wanting him because he's not, that number one guy type and also he's right at that age where he's going to start getting expensive and you know kind of a maybe a tough guy to move like for what um you know what if they have him they're trying to get like fair value or something like that because of this uh uh perception that people aren't sure exactly like how good he is or how good he he can be
1: right like somebody will pay him 25 million a year i think right? Like he's not a max guy. I don't think he's like a 35 million a year. And if the cap goes up by the time he's due for his next contract, he's definitely not like a 35 plus million guy, but he is a 20 million guy. Like he's a 25 million guy. We've seen other dudes as good or not as good get that much money. And that that's where it gets like really tricky. Cause now Randall's expensive. Mitchell's expensive. Brunson's pretty expensive. Like now the flexibility is kind of gone. And that's what scares me with the trade. But I think I go with the with the theory of get better, get all-stars, and then just figure it out as you go forward.
0: Yeah, and it's like when you listed those potential Knicks players, it's like how many of those guys are top five, top ten at their spot, right? Like, yeah. So uh, for listeners, he said zero. <laughs> well, that was before you said at their spot, right? Mitchell's top yeah. ten in his position. He's sure. not, top yeah, yeah, yeah. not top ten, top ten right right um uh so you know it's like it's it's that kind of thing and and you you don't want to just have a bunch of like guys who are are solid and all, all kind of like a, at the same level for the most part uh in their at their positions like you need somebody like that can that can pop right like i mean look at all the playoff teams and just run down and and name their best player. And it's like, oh yeah, that guy is like top whatever at his position, you know?
1: And we've even seen with the Luka Doncic's of the world and and even to a lesser extent, like Giannis before Middleton became the clutch guy who helped win a championship. Like one guy can't do it alone, right? So you need multiple dudes. You need a, a core of people. So to have a better core is more important than just having Donovan Mitchell, right? So- that, that's why it's important to me. So I think the, the most realistic trade from a Knicks fan perspective is, you know, <clears throat> it's Derrick Rose's contract. It's quickly Toppin and Grimes and then picks. And that's that's a lot. Like that's the depth of the team as well. And and quickly people like Toppin came on at the end of the season last year. And Grimes, I mean, if you're talking Summer League, he just freaking dominated in Summer League. He showed a lot of stuff. That's a guy that the Jazz are probably saying he's definitely, give, we need Grimes and all your picks. Mm-hmm. So- is that seem like a reasonable ask from a Knicks perspective to you? All those guys quickly topping Grimes, Rose's contract, and a plethora of picks—is that too much or is that right? Uh,
0: I think, man, maybe I'm just not as high on Mitchell, but like, uh, I think it's too much. But I also think that the Knicks—they need to do something, right. you know. Like, That's I just want me personally, me personally, as a as a uh, fan, like on the other side of the country, a uh, basketball fan, I want to see the Knicks be relevant. I want to see them be interesting. And I think with Mitchell and Brunson, they're interesting maybe for some good reasons and bad reasons, as as I've talked about, but then, you know, just seeing how how far they could develop and, and take it. And I, I would love to see Donovan Mitchell in uh, a big market. I mean, you know, like the biggest market at this point. That so home market too like he's from the tri-state exactly so uh you know let uh it, you know there was like that minor chatter last offseason about maybe dame somehow getting to the knicks was that was that something that people were talking about or was, yeah
1: was about for sure but
0: yeah a lot, a lot of bad aggregated bloggers right but like um that i would have loved because i love dame and i I think he deserves the spotlight. Uh, I don't love uh, Mitchell as much, but like uh, you want to see stars in big places. To be honest, you know, at least at least yeah. I do. At least change of pace, you know.
1: And and frankly, with the Dame Lillard thing, you could argue the Knicks dodged a bullet, right? Like big injury last year, huge huge extension now on top of his contract. Like if the Knicks go ahead and do that, what's their ceiling? Are they just Portland Trail Blazers East? That was my take on that. Like you trade the the house for Damian Lillard. Great. You yeah. have David Lillard. What else you got? You got nothing. You know what I mean? So it's exactly. like a tough thing to really navigate.
0: Exactly. And you know, um, the Warriors, when I was growing up history of trading like a bunch of dudes for one guy and it just not being it all of a sudden it's like, you're awful for years now. Right. And you know, like you always think about the Herschel Walker trade, right? It's like you trade all that stuff for one guy, and where is that really, really going to get you? I mean, people are a little bit wiser now, I think. But, uh, uh, but yeah. You know, but that being said, I want to see the Knicks get Donovan Mitchell because I, as an NBA fan, I like to see stuff happen. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I want. Yeah, I want to see like oh, I don't want everybody just to stay where it is. Like I don't really love all the 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 pointless drama like the the social media like trash talking and all that or like the the weird Ben Simmons stuff, but I I do like seeing players move, right? And as as fans, like that's what we love seeing, like oh, the the what ifs, the hypotheticals, the potential whether it's your team or or uh or not you know or it's somebody else's team you just want to see like oh i want to see what that looks like with uh uh with those dudes in in new york it could be it could be awesome you know and like it's better than not doing anything especially for a team that uh from my perspective from the outside looking in it seems like it's been just kind of wandering through the desert for a while with no with no direction except like we're the knicks we're in new york we're gonna be great, and. It's it it doesn't. It doesn't happen, you know? And and also one thing, it's like I do sometimes look at Nick's players the same way I used to look at like John Starks, you know, like just overly hyped because of where he plays. And obviously that ha- that happens uh in big cities, happens to the Lakers too, where it's like, Oh, Taylor Horton Tucker. <laughs>
1: yeah, how Kuzma was like all talked about. Now he's actually a (laughs) player in Washington. No one cares. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So, you know, um, so I want to see like Mitchell, like, can, can he be that? Can he be that dude? Like give him a chance, you know, why not? You know, ain't ain't no skin off my back.
1: (laughs) The John Starks thing is perfect because the Jalen Brunson stuff is making me think of John Starks, right? Like undersized guard, who's going to put up some numbers. He's going to be a dude sometimes, but he's not that dude all the time. Right. And that it's it's a tough thing and something that the big markets definitely have to deal with when you have all this pressure from fan base to win, 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 make something happen now. And then that move happens and it hinders your future. Right. Like the Camaro Anthony trade, and we'll get to move off this in a second now. Um, the Camaro Anthony trade, if that happened in 2016 or 2018 instead of 2012 when it did, completely different trade. Right. Like it's not going to be Galinari, Raymond Felton, and Wilson Chandler. And all these winning pieces, it's going to be just one of them to make the contract work and then a, a crap load of picks because the Nuggets would have said, what are we doing with, with Gallinari and Pandler and, and and whatever? Like, we're going to be a, a six seed, which they were, and they were competitive for like two or three years. Uh, but it meant nothing for them long-term, right? Like, the picks were nice and whatever. But they didn't really turn it around to they got Jokic in the second round, which was completely random. So if that mellow trade happens today you're only giving up one of those pieces and the core could remain intact and now Melo has players to play with. Instead, they had to scrap together old players like Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler wasn't super old, but you know you get the point. J.R. Smith's of the world, et cetera. They put it together for a year or two. That was it. That was their window. And if that happens today, yeah, you don't have any picks, but you have actual players still. So that, that's something that I kind of debate with now too. If we give up quickly topping Grimes, guys who are serious depth pieces How much does that hurt them moving forward as well as giving up all these picks? It's like a insanely tough thing to navigate and and to try to build a serious contender.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Like the way that trades happen now and, and whatnot, because you better be certain to some extent that like the guys that you're going to have are, are going to be able to take you somewhere because you're not going to make it up in the draft. You're not going to be able, you lose a lot of your depth and, you know, I don't know what the cap situation is in New York, but you're gonna you're gonna rely on on like okay these guys I think we can win with you know right. Hopefully, hopefully that that works out. You know, you're putting yeah. a lot on the line there, and if you give up picks deep into the future, man, that 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 <sighs> deadly is gonna last a little bit longer. Yeah,
1: and like, is Mitchell even the talent that Melo was? He was he's not he's not right. Like Carmelo Anthony was like a walking playoff berth by himself for those first like three or four years in New York. And God forbid he had an actual team around him, they would have been a a serious contender More outside of just one year where they lost to Indiana in the second round. Like Mitchell probably is a walking play in berth at this point in time. Not like he's not putting your team in the top five in the Eastern Conference by himself. It's just not going to happen. So I I don't know. Oh God, it's stressful. As as we sit here, I just noticed that behind me over here to this point right here is a Spider-Man album into the Spider-Verse, and we're talking about Donovan Mitchell's Spider. I don't, is that is that a sign? What is that? What, does that mean anything?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, if it spontaneously showed up there, it means a lot. If it just magically showed <laughs> up, <laughs> that, that's yeah. amazing. I don't know. I
1: don't know if I'm going to look too deep into that.
0: The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major actions for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. I'm looking forward to all those Giants-Dodgers matchups because it's just one of the best rivalries in sports. So we'll see what the odds are for those. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
1: All right, Patrick Apino, we have one more quick topic. We'll do this one quickly so we can get out of here. Uh, Oakland Warriors podcast. Check it out on all the podcast apps on YouTube as well and and on the socials. Uh, So let's do our last topic here. I want to talk about young players. We just came off summer league. We have all excitement for the upcoming season, even though we're a little bit away. We got football around the corner. Baseball's in the thick of it. But these young players are the future. And I've been hearing the topics of uh, the talent in the league now is deeper than it ever was. And it's a take that I subscribe to. So let's talk about some of these guys. I want to keep on the table the last three draft classes. So the one that just happened and the two prior. So 2020, 2021, and 2022. The 2020 draft being Edwards, Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, that draft. And then last year being Cade, Jalen Green, Mobley, et cetera. We know the draft that just happened. So whether it be from Summer League that just happened for you or just anybody in general that you want to just shout out now, that you're kind of keeping a peripheral eye on that you think is going to be, you know, a game changer in this league.
0: All right. I'm not going to talk about any Warriors players because I already <laughs> did. Um, but I will say, uh, I mean, Chet Holmgren. So I remember being on Instagram maybe like three three years ago and just scrolling, scrolling through the Explore and seeing like, well, who's this skinny dude? And I, I sent it to my friend and I kind of laughed. I was like, Look at this white KD, you know, (laughs) and, and it was a joke. Like, you know, uh, I mean, he, he clearly had skills, but I was like, I was, uh, I thought I didn't know who he was. And then as the season went on, I would see him more. And then you found out that he was like this prospect and here he is. Uh, I'm curious to see how he'll play. I mean, you know, just plain and simple because he's such a strange specimen of any kind, right. His skill level, his uh his super skinny frame. I, I worry about his legs breaking <laughs> <every> if <time laughs> he goes on the court. Um and just, you know, like all these quote unquote unicorns, right? That we've right. seen over the last uh every now and then over the last like ten years or something, right? And I wanna see if he can if he can pull that pull that off, you know?
1: A hundred percent. I mean I'd ranked him too. So my ranking actually is how it ended up. I had Paolo Chet Jabari and that's how it went. And Chet in Oklahoma city just feels like it makes a whole lot of sense. You know, the way he moves the ball with guys like uh, SGA and Josh Giddy. like it just, it seems like it's going to fit and they're a league pass team like that quickly. Boom. All of a yeah. sudden it's like, wow, Lou Dort, SGA, Giddy, Holmgren. I'm watching the thunder a couple of times uh, over the first month or two of the season. I have to, because they're going to be interesting. And I don't know what his peak looks like from a number standpoint, but it reminds me of Mobley in a sense where like Mobley, I don't expect him to get to 25 points ever. He might, he might prove me wrong, um, but his impact exceeds his numbers and Chet could be that type of guy as well, especially if he is contesting at the rim, like he looks like he can, if he's moving the ball, all of a sudden averaging, you know, four or five assists a game is something that he can do. That's somebody that's, going to exceed his numbers and really help winning on a night-to-night basis. So I'm I'm here for the Chet Holmgren hype, but there is that ounce of Porzingis energy with the legs that you, know, you land after a dunk and it's just looking clunky. So I'm nervous, and that's why I definitely didn't have him one. I also just love how Paolo plays. Um, so yeah, I'm in on Chet, but I'm watching with a, a close eye to see how the physicality holds up at this level
0: yeah i mean 82 games and just the the pounding like summer league is one thing come on you know what i mean and then getting to the pros and like honestly i'm from just as a warriors guy i was like watching him in summer league being like hey i cannot wait until he has to guard draymond green (laughs) and draymond green's just gonna put so many elbows and and everything into him um but i i do agree with you that the Thunder are a league pass team. He's going to make Josh Giddy so much better, I think, just because, you know, Giddy has his flaws, but, like, they're the same age. You know, they uh, can both pass, uh, and, you know, it doesn't just fall on on Giddey to be point. I know SGA will have the ball in his hands a lot. I'm curious to see how that'll work out, actually, SGA and Giddy. Well, yeah. I, think, I think the Chet thing helps a lot
1: because he can space the floor. Like, SGA yeah. has been great at slashing and getting to the rim. And, I, mean, I love SGA. I'm a big big fan of his. And, you know, the last thing you want for for SGA is, is a clogged up paint, right? Same for Giddy, for that matter. And the fact that Chet can hang out on the perimeter and knock down or even, you know, pump and go off the catch on the pick and pop, like, it becomes a dangerous offensive uh, group for sure. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll move on. To keep it with this draft real quick, I mean, Paolo, we don't got to talk about the number one and two pick too much, but I love Paolo. I thought what impressed me the most of him is his passing as well. I'm a big guy. Uh, uh, who, who's your best player? Can he facilitate? Can he make other people better? And I saw that from him in college. I saw that from him in summer league. So I am super pro Paolo. Uh, and Jabari, impact will be there. I don't see him as a superstar uh per se i think he's a another guy whose impact could exceed his numbers from a defensive standpoint the shooting is is definitely going to come around but i I think paolo is going to be the best guy in this draft and it it felt good watching summer league where he just looked off the charts
0: yeah yeah no i i think uh he's definitely going to be fun and i agree with you you know like the can you make your other guys better and i think that was a bold pick by orlando last second to do that and You know, maybe this helps Orlando after the last couple of drafts kind of sort through their uh, malaise of like all these random dudes, a lot of injuries, but a lot of dudes who are like really, really similar. You know what I mean? Like how many uh, six, four and under guards do they
1: have?
0: Yeah. it's six you know, four
1: hundred guards and then there's super long people who don't know what to do on the court.
0: <laughs> that, that's why I thought, like, oh man, if they get Chet, it's like, you know, like they're gonna have him and Jonathan Isaac, you know what I mean? And and uh it's it's um I think the uh Wagner pick was a solid pick for them, and I think this this pick, so they're starting to round out like those other really, really like glue guys, those like those guys who can, like you said, make uh other dudes better. And, you know, I just got to say, man, like I noticed this at the beginning of last season, because last year's 2021 class was such a, a deep, talented draft. There's, there are still some, but there aren't a ton of terrible teams that don't have talent, that that aren't going anywhere. They don't have a reason to watch. They don't have a future. Even like the Rockets, they, they had such a decent draft. I mean, they had a really good draft last year. And then, They had a pretty solid draft this year. So you have a team like that. I mean, the Kings are still the Kings. (laughs) But like a lot of the bad teams, they have some of these younger dudes from these past three drafts. And they're looking even even better. I mean, the Pistons. You kidding me? Oh, Oh my God. uh, Dang, man. Like, and and they even screwed up the Killian Hayes pick. You know? So, uh, they uh, they've they've done a, a good job. And uh, there's other teams like you know the Hornets who are still fun to watch. And I don't know, just off the top of my head, there's just a lot of these teams that might not even make the playoffs, which I would tune into just to see some of their uh, lottery lottery talent. Right. Like I think
1: no man's land in the Eastern Conference right now you can say is like the Indiana Pacers.
0: Right, like yeah. they don't really
1: have a, a playoff aspiration, perhaps this year, and they yeah. probably don't have like a number one pick aspiration either. But right. I'm watching Halliburton and Matherin. Like, I want to see those two guys go off this year. And I love Halliburton. It's still crazy the Kings got off of him. It blows my mind a little bit. But yeah, him, him and Matherin could be like a serious backcourt duo.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Halliburton, man, that is like the biggest gaff. I think. I mean, the Kings have a ton. I mean, like in this day and age where teams seem to be a little bit more intelligent, like the Kings still keep making these goofy, (laughs) goofy moves. I mean, the fact that like, I have a couple of friends who are Kings fans who obviously are from Sacramento because I don't know any Kings fans who aren't from Sacramento, but uh, it's like for once they were so happy that Halliburton landed in their laps. It was other teams mistakes and he landed right there and they went ahead and like, you know traded their most to me like their best player their most promising player and somebody who could really actually he has he has those winning intangibles right he just has these vibes about him and how he kind of affects a game so you know go with uh De'Aaron Fox and Donovan Mitchell I mean there see I want to see them play Brunson (laughs) and uh sorry yeah yeah Donovan Mitchell and Brunson play uh De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell yes that would nice. be great, lefty
1: lefty, and then the
0: Mitchell versus the Mitchell.
1: That, that's perfect. I want to see that too. Except I don't know how much Kings I want to watch. I got to watch some Kings because like there was like an inkling of interesting with Fox and Sabonis, but I, I ain't that excited about it. No uh, me. Well, let's go to the Pistons real quick because I am, I am super super pro Cade Cunningham. So we got Cade, Jalen Green, Mobley, Scotty Barnes as the top four picks uh, from from last year's draft, the twenty twenty one draft. There's arguments about Mobley. I know Bill Simmons. I don't know if you're a Bill Simmons guy. He's like all over Mobley. He loves him. He ranked him number eight in his trade value column where he had Cade Cunningham and Scotty Barnes at like 15, 16. To me, I think that's crazy. And it was one of the only big gripes I had with that pod that he did with Russillo. I think Cade projects and might be already this year one of those dudes who just carries – who does all those things, who fills all the cracks. When I said about trading for Donovan Mitchell, you're not getting a top 10 guy. You're getting a top 25 guy, say, for Mm -hmm. numbers. He doesn't fill the cracks of the other needs of the team. I look at Cade Cunningham and say, there's an offense right there, just him. There's an offense there. And then he has the size and an ability to to fill some of those other cracks defensively and, and et cetera. So I'm looking at Cade and saying, we might be looking at a top 10 player in the next 2 years. when when I, when you hear those words is that too aggressive for you or do you see those similar types of ceilings for Cade Cunningham?
0: Oh yeah, I mean I, I I love Cade Cunningham. I mean, I don't know how many years it'll take him to be top 10, um but I definitely think he has that in his in his abilities, you know, in his basketball DNA. I think that what i like about him is even though he had those ankle injuries as beginning of last season it's like he he came on and his shot started translating his three-point shot and i think the pistons have done a really really good job of putting guys who cade can make better right he can facilitate to some to to them and You know, they can have, I mean, you need a system, whether it's as complex as the Warrior system or if it's just like, okay, this is how uh, it works. There's teams where they just draft a bunch of dudes and they just don't fit. Sometimes I look at the Rockets and I like their drafting, but it seems like, okay, they just have a bunch of dudes. What is it going to look like, right? And I almost wish they drafted like, uh, Jaden Ivey just to see like what they would do with like that backcourt, you know? Um, but I think that uh, Cade Cunningham, I mean, that guy, that guy's ceiling is, I mean, it's as high as they, they said it would be in that 2021 draft, right? Like everybody's projecting him so, so high and he can, he can still get there. I mean, I think a lot of those guys can get there. Um, getting to the, I just want to talk about the Mobley thing. I don't know if eight, is I mean you know that that might seem a bit high, but you know I, I really I re- I just want to see how Mobley is in his second year, like what he's able to improve on. Because you said earlier you don't think he'll be a twenty five point guy. I think he could be, but it's just a question of uh, like will this team bring it out of him or or right. ask him to 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 be that you know?
1: Yeah, like does he actually extend his range to shooting five or six threes a game, right? Rather than shooting two efficiently. Like, can he shoot six relatively efficiently? That, that'll that what that'll boost him from 17 to 23, 24, 25. So, yeah, I'm probably a little dismissive on the points stuff for Mobley there, but you're right. Like, he showed an incredible amount of talent as a rookie on a team that won a lot of games, especially uh, before they had some injuries and whatnot uh, over in Cleveland. So maybe you're right. And, and that trade value column, the context is like it's contracts, it's age, it's – it's not just talent, right? No, no one's yeah. saying Mobley's the eighth best player in the league right now. It's just based off a lot of other stuff. So I, I, I could be wrong there, and part of me is projecting uh, my love of Cade that I don't want people to think Mobley's better. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely possible. Uh, another guy I want to bring up from that same draft, who I think is a young guy who can make a boost this year and be from a nice role player to like a serious, serious piece of a winner, it's Zaire Williams. And uh, he was a bit of uh, well, he's not he's not the thorn in your side, but the Grizzlies were trying to be the thorn of the Warrior side there. I look at Zaire as this wing whose shot looks wonderful. He's athletic. He definitely benefited from the spacing of NBA uh, basketball because college basketball sometimes is just a freaking mess. Like there's no spacing. All these bigs and these crappy guards are trying to take over, and the wings don't get to fly. Right. So Zaire Williams is a dude I look at like, wow. He had a nice rookie season. I think we can see him go up a level again this year and beyond to become like, okay, this is not just a nice player. This is a serious starter on any good NBA team.
0: Zaire Williams is the guy I wanted the Warriors to draft at number 14 last last draft in 2021. Mm. Um, when <laughs> – I recall the experience. Great but.
1: for you guys, by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. No pressure and to come in. Yeah, and – uh, I remember the draft because I was watching and when uh, Adam Silver, the sixth pick said uh, out of his mouth, it was like, J-, I was like, what? Is Josh Giddey. I was like, yes. Okay. We got Jonathan Kaminga at seven. Right. And after that, I was like, uh, like Zaire Williams was always at the uh, like one, of, uh, one of the guys I wanted the most because of his, like, I, I agreed that he was good in high school. And he just had a really funky year at Stanford Yeah, and his size, his shot, all that stuff, it could get fixed, whatever. Like he, they could get his shot to come off higher, to get it off quicker, all that stuff. And I just, yeah, like you said, I liked his size and his ability to, to, to put the ball on the deck. And I thought, you know, the, the low pressure situation would be awesome. I'm super happy with Moody, but watching Zaire, the one dude on the Grizzlies, I could not be mad at because I'm still a fan. Once he puts a dagger in a war against the Warriors, <laughs> then then I'll be like, I hate that dude. <laughs> but um, I was I was pulling for him because, uh, you know, I, I think he can really he he could he could be like a, a uh, he he could rise up quite a bit.
1: Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how much of a role he ends up playing there because they had this team that's like. If you really think about the Grizzlies, like they should never be as good as they were last year if you just look at their pieces. But they play a style that's amazing, and John Morant's like an incredible uh, number one for them right now. So uh, I'll be interested to see how he gets his shots off this year. Um, Any other guys you want to shout out? Anybody young in that last couple drafts? Any any random guys, late guys from this draft maybe? I'm putting you on the spot obviously, but if anyone comes to mind, shout them out.
0: You know like I'm a huge Anthony Edwards fan I mean he's obviously not uh, uh he's not like a late draft guy he's the number one pick right and when the Warriors had the number two pick I just I would envision like uh like Steph and clay and then like this crazy athletic dude coming off the bench for a while and just giving this this nuts of change of pace and how much fun that would be and you know I I love watching that dude play. I think he's going to be so good. I mean, and that's not that's that's kind of an obvious take at this point. And you know, like I I empathize with Minnesota Timberwolves fans because um they've had such bad ownership and 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 uh front office stuff for so long, but you know, it's good to see him uh him really kind of thrive, but it's it's funny though too because you know, I always go back to the the Wiggins D'Lo, uh trade, and it's always funny to to revisit that thing because you know at the time it was just such a a question of like oh like oh both teams fans were arguing who won the trade, but I mean now it's it's pretty obvious we got Wiggins and and Kaminga, but you know the 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 Wolves they didn't get Edwards out of that. But they're happy with who they have and all that kind of jazz. So but uh yeah, I still I also empathize with the the wolves because so many moves and non-moves and that they did and didn't make built helped build the warriors. <laughs>
1: oh my god, yeah, dude. Johnny Flynn, Ricky Rubio, golly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and then there was the uh, uh the trade that might have happened sending some combination of like clay. Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, David Lee for um, Kevin Love, right, and and then you know giving us uh, Wiggins, and then the pick that became uh, Jonathan Kaminga, which who I think will be the best player in that trade, but yeah, that's me. Yeah,
1: Uh, it's great. It's a great weird uh, combo of franchises going in opposite directions next to each other. It was very very strange. I mean to not to relitigate the entire thing, but the Ricky Rubio pick 100% makes sense. Like that dude's hype was not like, it wasn't fake. It was totally real. He was a dude. Oh, yeah. the Johnny yeah. Flynn pick on the other hand, eh, not as good, not as good. Um, one last question for you, guy who was picked in number, pick number 21 of the 2020 draft point guard, Tyrese Maxey. We're talking about, being top 10 at your position or even better than that. What, where is Tyrese Maxey's ceiling to you as a point guard? Like, where can he get to be the, you know, the two or one B, whatever you want to call him to Joel Embiid? What's his ceiling? Because I think he showed some incredible stuff last year and there's no reason to think he's stopping. So what's your take on Tyrese Maxey being this late round, first round pick who who can be like an all-star caliber player possibly?
0: I mean, I think if all things go well, I mean, I think in his prime, he can get to top 10 uh, as a as a point guard. Um, you know, that's after some of these older guys dip right. off a little bit and, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, I think that, I mean, I, I remember, again, like watching before the 2020 draft, there was like that weird uh, workout on TV with like, the clutch guys. And it was Anthony Edwards. And, and, uh, I think Maxi like dribbled around and shot buckets first. And I was like, oh, that guy, you know, even though they're not really trying that hard, it's like, he, he looks like he can play, you know, he can, he, can, he, had, he looked like he had a decent shot and he had some athleticism and stuff, but, you know, I think he'd get, I think he could definitely get top 10. And is that going to be in the span where Embiid is still in his prime? Sure. Sure. It could happen. It could happen. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. To this point, he's uh, off win shares again, which is not the best, not the best gauge, but it's a decent gauge. Number third, uh, number third, number three in that class right now. It's Halliburton, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey as the number one, two, three win shares guys uh, from that draft. Now, no one's saying those guys are better than Anthony Edwards. Uh, just it's just production and you know efficiency matters a lot in, in the stat. So uh, that's just a little take there. So yeah, that was interesting to me because I think he has a chance to keep that window open for Philly. Uh, Whereas the Harden stuff is so clunky right now. We don't know what he's going to do. He took a pay cut. Their ceiling goes with Tyrese Maxey right now, I think. And what you get from Harden is like icing, especially when it comes to playoff time, because we know his history. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. Patrick Epino, at Patrick Epino. Check him out. Check out the Oakland Warriors podcast. Uh, Any any last words for Subway Sports Talk? Any last words for, for you in general or your podcast?
0: uh no nah, man if uh if you guys want to ever talk warriors Oakland warriors podcast look it up there you go that's it all right subway sports Talk. this has been great fun
1: we're gonna try to get a home and home going i'll take a visit on uh on that pod when you get some some free time later in the summer and whatnot so great stuff patrick this was awesome and uh be good bro.
0: enjoy the rest of your summer Cool. Thanks for having me. That's another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check us out at OaklandWarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Film Society and is a part of the Basketball Podcast Network. And if you are so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on apple podcasts and or spotify and leave us a nice review on apple podcasts that always helps and is much appreciated also check out our youtube channel youtube.com slash uncle warriors where you can also watch this podcast episode if you care to watch me talk (laughs) straight into a camera or my computer screen whatever anyway that's it music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time, and go Dubs!